He is risen. I've been waiting a long time to do that. We've been waiting. We've been waiting a long time. We've been looking forward to this day um, for a long time, for 40 days, right? The whole Lenten season, we've, we, we've journeyed through the Lenten season together, focusing on the cross, focusing on, on the sacrifice that Jesus willingly made for us. And, you know, we, we say this every year, but it's true. Th- there is no resurrection without a crucifixion, right? So we have to go through that um, awful event on Friday night. We gather on Good Friday and remember the events of that night and how awful that was, Jesus being crucified on the cross. Um, but then we come to Sunday morning, and we celebrate that he is alive. And this is, this is a great day. This is an exciting day. I'm excited for the six individuals uh, who are going to be baptized um, later this morning at the end of the service. You know, you'll, you'll see when those uh, candidates step down into the baptismal tank, they'll, they'll all be wearing a T-shirt that says, I have decided. They have decided that they believe. They believe in Jesus. They believe He went to the cross, he rose from the dead for them. They have placed their faith and trust in him. And as we we celebrate those individuals, we also uh, remember and reflect back to our own baptism, right? We we point back to, uh, I remember June 30th, 1996 in the Volga River in Volgograd, Russia, where I was baptized for the first time. We point back to our baptism and remember the day we decided to declare publicly I believe I've placed my faith in Jesus and I'm going to follow him. So this is an exciting day on many levels. Um, we're going to be taking a look at um, John's account of the resurrection story this morning. So we're going to look at John chapter 20, uh, verses 1 to 18. So if you want to turn in your Bibles and stick your finger in there a while, we will get to there in just a few moments. Um, I just want to kind of summarize kind of set the the table, if you will, give a little bit of a a background to where we're heading. You know, obviously we have four accounts of the story, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it's fun for me, I don't know if it's fun for you, it's fun for me to kind of line those stories up side by side and kind of create my own synopsis. I love to kind of look and see which authors say, who was at the tomb? Who was at the cross? And uh, obviously there's a few subtle differences between individuals that the authors highlight. Uh, obviously they have a, a, a certain agenda they want to communicate and get across, uh, a story they want to tell about how they present their gospel. So I've kind of taken a little bit uh, from Matthew and a little bit from Luke and a little bit from Mark in terms of the introductory story, those things that are common, consistent with what happened that morning. But again, we're headed for John 20, and we're gonna look more thoroughly here in a minute um, at John's account of the resurrection story. So, so one thing we know is that early in the morning, several women approached the tomb where Jesus' body had been laid. Uh, there had not been uh, sufficient time for them to prepare the body for burial. So that's kind of what's on their mind. That's on, on their agenda that morning as they head for the tomb. As they're approaching the tomb, a thought occurs to one of them, hey, how are we gonna roll that gigantic stone away from the entrance to the tomb? So there's kind of an obstacle in front of them. But despite the obstacle, they push on, they keep on going. And when they got to the tomb, they found a scene that they did not expect to see, they found the soldiers that had guarded the tomb lying on the ground, appearing as though they were dead. 
more amazing than that, they found that gigantic stone rolled away from the entrance to the tomb. So they walk past the guards and they enter into the tomb where Jesus' body had been placed. And when they get inside, they find that the body is gone. Jesus is gone. And suddenly, two angels to them and proclaim to them that Jesus has risen. And the angels tell them, now go and tell the disciples what you've seen here this morning. So that is exactly what they did. They hurried off to go find the disciples to tell them what they've just seen and heard. When they finally reach the disciples, they catch their breath for a minute after that long sprint. And then they begin to excitedly tell them all that they had seen and heard at the empty tomb just a few moments earlier that morning. But initially, the men didn't believe them. It, so it sounded like a bunch of gibberish to them. Um, guards that seemed to be dead, that huge stone rolled away from the entrance, men in bright white clothing, and Jesus alive? N none of that made any sense to them. But it did intrigue two of Jesus' disciples enough to want to go to the tomb and see for themselves what had happened that morning. So John and Peter and Mary Magdalene as well head off to the tomb to see for themselves if they can figure out what had happened that strange morning. There was an empty tomb. No one doubted that part of the women's story. But what they needed to decide for themselves was why it was empty and, and what it all meant. And that's the same thing you and I must decide here this morning. It's likely most, if not all of us in this room, agree there is an empty tomb. You probably wouldn't be here today if you didn't believe that. But the question is, how are you going to respond to the empty tomb? How is that going to affect and change your life? According to John, three different people came to the tomb that day, and all three of them had very different responses to what they experienced. So now, so now let's take a look at John 20. I'm gonna read for us uh, verses one to 18. This is, this is from the NIV, the New International Version, so please feel free to follow along in your Bibles as I read. John 20, one to 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? 
They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you were looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where they have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me for I have not yet ascended to the father. Go instead, tell my brothers that I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. So Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. So three individuals, John, Peter, and Mary Magdalene, all approached the tomb that morning, but again, three different responses. So let's take a look at this. First, we have John the believer. John the believer. John was the first one to arrive at the, at the tomb. When he heard the news, he jumped up and ran as fast as he could to get to that tomb. John wanted to believe this was true. John wanted to believe that Jesus was alive because John loved Jesus. You, you see in John's gospel, he refers to himself as the one whom Jesus loved. John understood how much he was loved by Jesus and in return, he loved Jesus right back. So John wants this to be true. He wants to believe. He loves Jesus. Uh, remember, he had been in the courtyard when Jesus was interrogated and sentenced to die. He had stood at the foot of the cross when Jesus hung there dying. He had willingly taken Jesus' mother into his home to care for her as his own. John was so excited about the possibility that Jesus might actually be alive again that he ran as fast as he could to get to that tomb. But when he reached the tomb, he did not immediately go inside. He looked inside and he saw some of what Mary had said was there, but he didn't go in. Why not? Why did John stay outside the tomb? Maybe he stayed outside because he had to catch his breath from that long run. Maybe he stayed outside because he was afraid. What if Mary was wrong and Jesus' body had just simply been moved to another part of the grave? He didn't want to have to see Jesus' badly bruised and broken body from the beatings and the torture of the crucifixion. What if once he and Peter were inside the tomb, guards would seize them and arrest them as an elaborate trap set by Roman officials to make it look like the disciples were stealing the body to make it appear as though there was a resurrection. Well, after a few moments, Peter arrived at the tomb. Fearless Peter walks right in, shows up, goes right into the tomb. No hesitation. Peter just busts, busts right in. He wants to see what's going on. And he saw everything just as Mary had said, the linen that had covered Jesus' body neatly lying in place as if Jesus' body had just disintegrated from inside those garments and when Peter arrived and entered the tomb well John figured well it must be okay so I'm, I'm going to go in as well so then John follows behind Peter they both saw the evidence they both saw the same thing but they had different responses to the evidence that they saw we can read right there in verse 8 John saw and believed period John saw and believed. 
The empty grave was enough evidence for him that what the other women had said had, got to, had to be true. Jesus really had risen from the dead. John didn't need to see Jesus in the flesh to know that he was alive again. He remembered Jesus' prophecies about his crucifixion, about his death, about his resurrection from the dead, and now he sees the empty tomb. And for John, that was enough. John saw and believed. Many of you here today are like John. You believe because there's an empty tomb and because there's the testimony of believers down through the centuries to the fact that Jesus is not only alive but actively at work in the world. You don't need to see Jesus in the flesh to believe. You join with John in being the ones who Jesus spoke of just a few verses later in the same chapter when he said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. John 20, verse 29. So John reacted to the empty tomb with absolute belief. John saw and believed. Then there was Peter the skeptic. Peter the skeptic. Peter, Peter was a little slower than John to arrive at the tomb. Maybe it's, it was because John was younger than Peter. I don't know. Maybe it was because all those years of fishing had given Peter arthritis of the knees. Or maybe it was because he too was afraid of what he might find there. Peter wasn't afraid of soldiers so much. We, we know that from his reaction to them in the Garden of Gethsemane just a few nights earlier, right? So he wasn't afraid of the soldiers so much. Peter wanted to see Jesus, but I wonder if there was part of him that dreaded the idea as well. Because the last time Peter looked Jesus in the eyes was after he had denied him for the third time. And if he had to look Jesus in the eyes again, he knew he was going to be confronted with his sin and his guilt. And I wonder if he wasn't sure if he could handle that. Peter's vision was clouded by the pain that he felt over his past. He wanted Jesus to be alive, but he didn't know how he was going to be able to face him. Maybe some of you here today are in a similar situation you want to believe you want things to change you want there to be hope but there's just too much history and there's too much pain and there's too much disappointment and for you it's just too hard to believe that Jesus' resurrection could wipe away all that pain and restore your hope once again let me tell you something Jesus can forgive <laughs> Jesus can heal and Jesus can absolutely restore your hope if you just give him the chance to do so. Peter went in. He examined the evidence for himself. He saw the linen wrapped around his body, the cloth wrapped around Jesus' head. And for Peter, it was enough to prove that something had happened that morning. But it wasn't enough for Peter to prove that Jesus was alive again. Luke's account of this story says that Peter was, quote, wondering to himself what had happened as he left. Wondering to himself what had happened. He was still a skeptic. He needed more evidence. Then Peter does one of the most foolish things of his entire life. Look, look at verse 10. Then they went back to where they were staying. He left. Peter left. <laughs> 
something as important as that, and he leaves without ever coming to a final conclusion as to what happened there that morning. If Peter had hung around just a little while longer, he would, would have been able to experience the same miracle that Mary is about to witness. There wasn't enough evidence for Peter because he didn't hang around long enough. Too many people don't have enough evidence to place their faith in Jesus because of the simple reason that they don't hang around long enough. They don't read God's word enough. They don't spend enough time around God's beautiful, wonderful people. They don't spend enough time in prayer. They, they get up off of their knees or they walk out the door of the church just before the miracle happens and they miss it. And they aren't present to see the miracle of God's transforming power in their own life. Don't leave until you see the miracle. Peter walked away from that empty tomb with his questions still unanswered. He was still skeptical. And then there was Mary, the brokenhearted. When Peter and John left, Mary stayed. We see this in verses 11 to 13. And in verse 13, the angel asks a good question. Why are you crying? Remember back in verse 1, it says that Mary Magdalene came to the tomb while it was still dark. While it was still dark. That not only speaks to the fact that the sun hadn't risen yet, it also describes the very condition of their hearts because this was the deepest, darkest time of their lives. And quite frankly, Mary's depressed. Mary's depressed. You, you, you don't have to be a psychologist to know that depression sets in when you have lost something of great value. And the more valuable that thing or person is that you lost, the deeper the depression can be. And this is exactly where Mary is at because to Mary, Jesus meant everything. Jesus meant everything to her. Mary had lost that which was more valuable to her than anything else. Mary had lost her Jesus. You know, I see five things that Jesus meant to Mary that she's facing as she thinks about losing her Jesus that morning. To Mary, Jesus meant release. Release. Remember when Mary first met Jesus, she was enslaved by seven demons and Jesus cast those demons out. He set her free. She was released from that bondage. So for Mary, Jesus meant release. To Mary, Jesus also meant peace. You who are parents, especially mothers, mothers, you know what it's like to have multiple individuals grabbing at you, pulling at you, trying to get your attention to do something for them all at the same time. Imagine having seven demons inside you steering you in directions that you don't want to go. And when Jesus had cast those demons out and set Mary free, Mary experienced a peace that she had never known before. So to Mary, Jesus meant peace. To Mary, Jesus meant forgiveness. Not only had Jesus released her from her demons, he had forgiven her of her sins and released her from her guilt as well. So to Mary, Jesus also meant forgiveness. To Mary, Jesus meant someone to believe in or purpose. 
Because when Jesus was alive, Mary was a part of women that, a group of women that financially supported his ministry. She had believed in what he was doing and that gave her purpose. And finally to Mary, Jesus meant leadership or direction. Mary was lost without Jesus. She had given her life to him and his life had given hers meaning. So to Mary, Jesus meant leadership and direction. And now that Jesus is gone, Mary is, is like a lost puppy, not knowing where to go, not knowing what to do. And she's depressed. Mary thought all was gone, so she cried. She wept. But then a miracle happened. Let me read again verses 14 through 18. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you were looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me for I have not yet ascended to the father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. So Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, she said. I have seen the Lord. Seeing the Lord alive again, seeing Jesus. That's what Mary wanted more than anything else and she wanted it more than anyone else did. She wanted to see him again so badly that she didn't allow the rude comments and the threats made by the soldiers at the foot of the cross to push her away. She wanted to see him so badly that even though his face was probably covered in blood and his body was mangled and broken and bruised from the torture and the beatings, she would not turn away in disgust. She wanted to see him so badly that after his body was taken down from the cross and placed in the grave by Joseph, she sat there watching. She wanted to see him so badly that when the tomb was sealed with the stone rolled over the entrance, she simply sat outside waiting. The only thing that could pull Mary away was the Sabbath. But as soon as the Sabbath was over, Mary is right back at Jesus' side once again. Mary desperately wanted to see Jesus. She desperately wanted to see him alive again and Mary got her wish because she says right there in verse 18, I have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord. Every one of us here this morning is like one of the three witnesses to the empty tomb. All three of them had been told what had happened that day. Mary had been told by the angels and Peter and John by the other women. All three of them saw the same tomb all three of them examined the same evidence and yet each had a different response. Many of you are like John. You see the empty tomb and you believe. Jesus says that you are blessed. Rejoice that Jesus is alive today for you will spend all eternity in heaven with him. Some of you are like Peter. You see the empty tomb but you're not sure what to believe. You, you, you know there's something going on here, but you don't know exactly what. You can't quite put your finger on it. You, you might say this. You know, I don't understand all this religion stuff. I, I, I don't understand this church stuff. I, I don't understand why 
people would willingly give up their sleep and their free time every Sunday morning, week after week after week, to come to a church service. I, I, I don't get that. I don't understand that. Let me tell you something. You will never understand that unless you stick around. Don't just come on Easter. Come back next week and the Sunday after that and the next and the next and the next. Spend time around God's people. Hang around long enough. Keep coming back. Spend a long time at the foot of the cross. Spend a long time at the empty tomb. Hang around long enough. Keep coming back until you see the miracle of transformation in your own life. And then some of you are like Mary. You see the empty You see the change in people's lives and and you think there's got to be some practical explanation of what has happened here. Remember, Mary didn't believe either at first, (laughs) but she hung around long enough to have her questions answered and to have her faith grown. And maybe that's you this morning. Either you're not quite sure about what happened on that day or more likely, you're not sure how what happened on that day impacts your life on this day. And so you ask the question, what does this all mean? Or maybe what does this all mean to me? Let me tell you what it means. (laughs) Since Jesus is alive, he can be to you all those things that Mary thought she had lost. Jesus can be for you release, peace, forgiveness, a sense of purpose, leadership, and direction in your life. He can restore your hope. Jesus can be your hope today if you give him the chance. Maybe you're ready to believe in Jesus today. Maybe you have had your prayers answered and like Mary, you have seen Jesus. If that's you, I want you simply to invite Jesus into your life to be your savior, to declare, I believe and I wanna follow you. But if that's not you today, if you're not yet ready to believe today, at least do this. Hang around. Hang around. Come back next Sunday and the next and the Sunday after that. We're here every Sunday at 1045. Keep coming back. Keep coming back. Stick around until you see the miracle of a changed life. Don't be like Peter who went away with his heart still empty, with his questions still unanswered. Don't miss the opportunity that Jesus gives you to receive forgiveness, to receive his love, and the miracle of transformation in your own life. Because Jesus is alive.